Welcome back to Insurance Happy Hour. This is Laird. And I'm Becky. How are you doing today, Becky? I'm okay. Are you still beat down, worn out, and absolutely devastated from recording videos this week? No. Oh, my voice is still wrecked. Really? You did a lot more than I did, though. I know, and I had a lot more takes. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just because you were better than me, (laughs) (laughs) or if uh, you... Uh, if I just had the unlucky part of reading a lot of stuff I didn't write and also going first whenever they kept having to correct and move and do all the videos and all that. Yeah. But I, I remember whenever I, uh, when we first doing videos, we didn't use a teleprompter. Yeah. Back that was a few years ago. Yeah. And you used, I used to do everything kind of off the cuff <clears throat> and it was it was much more difficult. <laughs> there were a lot more takes when we There's did it that way. A lot more takes, yes, and you but know, we got le- and we got less videos done. Yeah. What? You ever have a tick? You ever have a tick that you do and you catch yourself doing it? And uh, I, I, I just did it, and I learned it by listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you learned you have a tick. I do. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever noticed. Uh, it's it's just a little thing that I do that is from a Toastmasters or something standpoint. It's my version of but, so, um, whatever those may be. And I say it a ton. And then I listened to the, the broadcast that we did. And I was like, you know, I say you know a lot. <laughs> <laughs> And so I was thinking about it, and then I, I was like, "All right, I re-listened to two episodes because this this hit me it, square in the face." Yeah. And I listened to two episodes, and I heard you do it a couple times, and then I've been like paying attention, and it's almost like a way that it's make sure you get feedback that you're having a conversation. And I think that this is a side product of me that I don't really look at people a lot of times when I'm speaking to them. Mm. I kind of look away and I'm not getting that confirmation. I don't know if it's like some kind of mild form of what's the thing where you can't see somebody and understand their emotions. I don't know. There's a disorder where you can't, if you cannot read someone's face to, to understand what's their, what they're doing uh, or how they're feeling. And I read people very well. It just, a lot of times when I'm speaking, I kind of stare off in space. <laughs> and you know. <laughs> well, when you're talking to one person, maintaining eye contact the, kinda, for the whole conversation. It's awkward. <laughs> it is. Because when you're maintaining eye contact, that creates an intimate connection between two people. Um, and, you know, that's. It's easier when you're talking to a group of people because you can turn your head and make eye contact with each person that is in the room. But when it's a one-on-one conversation, I, I mean, I do the same thing. You're it's like I, I look away when I'm talking to somebody because it's just it's, – it's an intimacy that – Yeah, you're just like staring into I mean, it's, it's not something I do consciously, but it's just <laughs> – and I don't think we're alone in this. I think a lot of people probably do that because it is just uncomfortable to maintain eye contact when you're in the middle for our 15-minute conversation. That's a long time. Yeah. And you know <laughs> <laughs> how difficult that could be. Yes. Therefore, I'm uh, now 
carefully watching my you knows. <laughs> do I need to like make a hash mark for each one? You oh, do? oh God, you would run out of you, you'd run out of paper. Here we go. Here's here's the one already for last week's episode right there. <laughs> I mean, what is that? Uh, 10, 20, 30, 40. Yep, that is 40. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 40 hash marks. That's awesome. Already ready to go because it was a lot. And then I was ready for them. Like, I knew when they were coming at this point. Is really? that I could hear my brain thinking <laughs> in the episode. And with that, I knew exactly what I was going to be saying next. And I've taking classes and enunciation. I, I know how to enunciate and I get words wrong a lot. I really <laughs> screw shit up. And I've also, you know, I'm a professional speaker, so I know how to not use those little ums, ticks, you know, all the different things like that. Sometimes it's just about slowing down and letting your brain think. However, when we're talking, Sometimes it's, it's like we're, we're we, bat- we go so fast. Yeah, we're battling, yeah. battling to make sure that we remember the next point because it's so fluid that if you weren't recording it, you could sit there and go off major tangents. Yeah, like we usually do. Sometimes do. Sometimes I think that's yeah. every week. <laughs> so do you have a tick? Um, I mean, I asked if you did, but now that you know what I'm talking about, I think I, I have noticed. That I will say to your point a lot or something along those lines when I'm agreeing with you, but I want to expand upon your point. Gotcha. But I haven't hashed like marked to see how many times I say it in an episode. But I have noticed that's something that I, I think I say a lot, yeah. I was I was driving, of course, listening, and I decided that I wasn't going to wreck my car. <laughs> I was pretty pissed off at myself. I'm like, son of a... You miserable piece of shit. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the the good thing is people are enjoying this podcast. Um, I know you were recently at the IAOA and mm-hmm. talked with a few people who, who are have become listeners. I don't know if they've been listening for a while or... Um, there's a back catalog. New, <laughs> no, there is a back catalog, <laughs> or if they're newer listeners, because you were frustratingly short on details. But um, yeah, well, first of all, one of the guys, Matt Aaron from uh, Insurance Agent uh, Go App, right? Insurance Agent App. Yes. yes. He, uh, we, we talked briefly, but he was running out the door. He was literally running out the door, <laughs> and I was trying to get details. But also, we have a ton of stuff that we talk about. We yeah. we we were like minded individuals in the industry, uh, him and Kiki. That we we see the industry should be one way, and we really hoping that it, it becomes that way. And so we have a lot to talk about. And it was in the middle of people coming in. He was leaving. I was still trying to get to my booth. It was all over the place. And uh, we were. it was frustratingly short on details as well. <laughs> yeah. So, But my, my point was, there's certainly been a lot. That was my point, not your point. Um, <laughs> uh, the feedback on this show has been good. So I think you're little texts that are frustrating you i don't think many people are picking up on it oh i think it's all just in your head oh go back and listen to the last episode (laughs) (laughs) you'll put you'll put a round through your radio (laughs) you will absolutely demolish it (laughs) 
And then the next thing that I that I did is we we're going to modify the sound. As you can already tell, the the sound to us is a little bit different. And I'm I'm trying a new a new set of tones for this. Yeah. Trying to there there was a high pitched whine. <laughs> I don't know that I ever noticed it. I hear that. <laughs> uh, it's the perfectionist in me. Yeah. I'm a. I'm not exactly a perfectionist. I will say that a lot of times I come off that way. How are you not a perfectionist? <clears throat> I'm result oriented. Mm. I really, a lot of times I don't care how you get there. I want it done right. You know, I want to do it right. However, I, a lot of times I know that there's shortcuts. There are shortcuts and easier ways to do things. When getting done yeah i want it to be perfect but it doesn't always have to be perfect i, I guess See, that's, that's, the funny because <laughs> that's the frustrating <laughs> part of explaining that is that it has to be perfect but it doesn't and just how you get there go ahead sorry but no it's just it's it's funny because looking back over the almost eight years that we've been working together there have been projects that i thought for sure you were going to nitpick and you were just like yep yeah, no that's good and we went with it and I was like, oh, okay. And then there were projects that I was like, this is great. And then you pull out your stupid ruler <laughs> and you measure all of the spaces around everything. In- <laughs> it's And it was like, nope, this isn't good enough. And we would go for weeks back and forth trying to get it to just the perfect. And I would always ask you one thing at the end. Do you agree it looks better? And I would have to agree yes it it's something about i have a pixel perfect eye i can see one pixel off i i don't know how i've done it i don't know why and you'll see me do it sometimes i'll be looking at a a screen or a ui and i'll turn my head sideways yeah i'll just turn it sideways because what i'm doing is i'm checking both sides of it and it frustrates the crap out of people it really really does the stroke can be one pixel wider. <laughs> and so I have to balance that. Yeah. And I, I try really hard to balance that that feeling because a lot of times, yeah, you could make something perfect that takes a year, um, uh, a.k.a. our brochure. That was more than one year. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was two and a half. Well, you had to have a kid in the middle of it. But oh, that's, that's my fault? <laughs> Technically, we were ready to print at that point. Yeah, and then we came back, and I found even more stuff. <laughs> However, they're awesome now. I really do like them. I think that they—they're they're missing some products though. Because <laughs> you had to go buy a company. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so you screwed it up. Yeah, we we. However, we kind of keep it in a way that is that uh, we'll be fine. Yeah, it it, it works. It, it works. We have a, still the say, same core of products. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't add any new category or anything. Yeah, I can't believe I'm just jumping right back in. My voice is wrecked. I can feel I can feel it like I'm <clears throat> all over the place. Yeah, my throat my throat. By the time I was done with mine, my videos definitely scratchy, and I was trying not to drink water while I was in the middle of recording my videos because I didn't want to mess up my lipstick. I didn't have any. Yeah, I was. I just had coconut oil, so all I tasted on my lips was damn coconut oil. That like, pomegranate orange? That no, she no, used? no, no. It was just flat out coconut. Because oh, okay. uh, she a, used a pomegranate orange coconut balm on mine. Oh, mine was just pure, pure coconut oil. It tasted my, good. I'm like, 
I'm at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was a, it, that's always one of my favorite days of the year is when we we do our video shoot. Yeah. I I enjoy it's, it's I enjoy it. it's 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 a long day yeah especially you know drinks afterwards stuff like that yeah yeah it's <laughs> draining it's certainly a draining day but it's it I I always look forward to it I think it's a lot of fun yeah it, however we did a ton of videos what twenty one yeah I think that's our most yet that we've done but we didn't you didn't do them all <laughs> thank God I, I bet you I bet you half of our half of the people that actually pay attention to those are like oh thank God. <laughs> Somebody besides Larry. But also, that's it's so nitpicky when you're watching yourself on camera. Like, oh. <laughs> wow. Look at the waddle. <laughs> Try not to look at it too closely. Although it's funny because I look at the videos that I did from last year and I can't help but think I was two days away from having a baby. <laughs> I, know, I don't know if anybody knows about that. If you look at the difference between my videos and your videos last year is that I was sitting in a chair. I like, had a table right relaxing. in front of me. <laughs> you had this table like tucked under your chest. I mean, you, you were <laughs> poor table was leaning and <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, that was fun. Yeah. No, but if you look at the videos, you only know, you can only see like if you know to look for it, you can actually see not your bump, just everything about you yeah. is a lot, um, a lot more showing. Yeah, and so it, it was. I, I I can't believe it was that unnoticeable. I know. I mean, you 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 know that TV shows where the actor, one of the actresses, is pregnant and they try to hide her bump. They always do. Oh yeah, you never do a great job <laughs> of hiding it. Oh, it's ninety degrees outside. And I'm wearing a parka. <laughs> <laughs> they did that on, they did that on uh, Leverage. Uh, Gina Bellman, she's uh, plays Sophie, and she was pregnant halfway through the the second season. And they actually worked their worked her out of the story for her to actually do it. And every time she's on camera, she was sitting at a bar. She was in a helicopter. She was, you know, wearing a muumu. She was wearing this massive jacket. And they so they hit it. I mean, they worked hard at hiding it. And one of the scenes is like everybody else is like in jackets and all that, and you can see in the background it's like warm as hell. You know, it's the middle of summer or something, and everybody's everybody's sweating their balls off, and she's just sitting there in a big old jacket hiding in her way. Yeah, never do, they never do a super great job of it. It's always at some point obvious. Yeah. So I was amazed that we got away that I got away with it that the table hit it so well. What's so crazy? But the craziest part of it is that you gave birth two days later. Two days later, I was telling our video guys that this week, like. I was like, you do realize that two days after that shoot, I had the baby. <laughs> oh, got it. That was right under the wire. Yes. Because I would have hated to do all the like, I was I dreading know. doing all the videos. I know. What do you got for us this week? Okay. So a report came out recently. I saw it on Property Casualty 360 about the M&A of insurance agents and brokers last year. Mm -hmm. It broke records. Yeah. So the Optus database, Optus Partners, I'm not familiar with who they are, but this this is who the report's from, logged a record 626 deals in the United States and Canada. Yeah, I see that. I see that in in fact, 
Stuart Gannis uh, of Gannis Consulting. Mm -hmm. He and I gave a speech last year at the American Agents Alliance, and we spoke specifically about this. We did a a point-counterpoint where I said that, you know, M&A is – I don't know if it was bad, but it was effectively that M&A was because of crappy agents – and he was more of the, hey, you know, this is a great opportunity right now. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a battle. But really, we were saying the same things is that properly operating agents are more valuable. And that's one of the big things that I think that this article might or might not touch. So I'll let you. Sorry. No, you're, no, you're good. Um, and it, it's, you know, we've certainly seen this. The, the M&A level has been high. And it's been high for a couple of years. In 2017, it was six. 111 deals. So there's not a huge jump from 27 to 2018. But in 2016, yep. It was 461. So we went from you know, 460 deals in a year to now we're over 600 deals in a year. That's that's a pretty significant jump. Well, also, you know, whenever you look at actually ratios, there's mm-hmm. less agents, so that's actually a higher percentage. Right. Because of all the M&A. Right now, you Really, I remember where exactly our point on that that speech was. Was M and A right now for good agencies that are operating really well? Mm-hmm. They have very high multiples. They can sell; they're valuable and all that. However, conversely, what's really happening is it's all the ones that aren't running efficiently. The right. ones that are running papers. I, I was speaking to one. <clears throat> I was speaking to one agency owner who does a lot of acquisition and they specifically look for agencies that run on paper because they can pay a lower multiple because Mm -hmm. there's a lot less efficiency. They're, they're effectively buying a book and they're like, okay, let's just get them all over to us and we're fine. Mm -hmm. However, whenever you look at other entities that are actually looking at buying like good, well operating agencies, they're paying huge multiples, but you have to be running very efficiently. You need to be using automation. You need to be using technology. You need to be using anything from a rater to a management system to having a full, fully fleshed out automated marketing platform. I also see that a lot – this is where the, the smaller independent agents are at risk because there's a bit of a point where if all of a sudden all the big guys keep – buying up and, and consolidating going up, then everybody's just going to have the brand awareness of the 10 to 15 major guys. And the smaller guys are just be like, well, I've, I see enough advertising from this agency and that carrier and this agency and that carrier that I don't have to, or I see the signs, billboards, driving down the road, whatever it may be. Who are you? Because you've got a little office in a three-story high rise that you say you offer insurance. You know, that's that creates a, a situation where the value is no longer there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. No. So, so one of some there are a couple of interesting points in this article. One of them being that private equity hybrid ba- uh, buyers accounted for sixty eight percent of those acquisitions, those what, transactions. What is a hybrid buyer? Um, they are well, at least the top five. It lists the top five. So the the number one buyer was Acrisure mm-hmm. with 101 acquisitions. Okay. Hub International with 59. Assured Partners with 37. Gallagher with 36. And Broad Street Partners with 34. 
What's amazing is that all of those are really high operating agencies. So the hybrid is meaning is a private equity backed operating agency. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And where that comes into play is those are. Although Gallagher is publicly owned. Okay. Yes. And where that that's coming into play a little bit here is exactly what I was speaking of is mm. that whenever there's an agency that is operating at a very high level, these companies will pay very good multiples from them. And with their efficiencies, they can even pay a nice multiple for an agency and then all of a sudden turn around and still make even more money from it. Right. And that consolidation is creating an inflection point in the industry that needs to be aware that smaller agents need to make sure that they are on top of this because either a, their plan needs to be, I'm building a business to sell or I'm building a business that perpetuates. That's their two options. Mm -hmm. And when I say perpetuates, I'm saying you've got to go big. You can't just be, well, my book of, 5,000 customers, 2,000 customers, whatever it may be, is sufficient because you cannot expect that to be long-term. And I think that they're not mutually exclusive or they're, they, they can be tied together. The two goals are tied together. Running a valuable company is the same – gives you the same value as running a valuable company that you can sell or a valuable company that you can perpetuate. Right. Is that – and the bottom line is <laughs> – Tell people all the time, insurance agencies are not special. They're businesses. They're just the same as a bakery, as a taco stand, as a jewelry shop or whatever. They have revenue that comes in, they have expenses, and they have profit. That's it. It's revenue minus expenses equals profit. You hire your revenue, lower your expenses, high revenue or a high profit. It's, 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 It's a very simple, it's the same equation I use when I buy a car. Hey, here it is. X is the price of the new car. Y is the price of my trade-in. And Z is the price that I'm going to pay. I'm going to give you Z. I don't care what X and Y are. (laughs) (laughs) You solve for X and Y. I gave you Z. I don't care how we get there. And so it's just a very basic uh, equation in that regard that you have – a high value company that is bringing lots of revenue. And whenever someone looks at it, they're going to go, Oh, we're going to pay this multiple on revenue or this multiple on your profit. And yay, there you go. Yeah. Same thing that if you're just going, Hey, I want to perpetuate this. You go high revenue, low expenses, you're profitable. You're making money. It's a perpetuated business. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so frustrating when I hear agents who are like, Oh, I'm going to retire soon. I don't, I don't want to make any changes. I don't want to get technology. Okay, you're going to be retiring soon, so you're either going to be trying to sell your agency or you're going to try to perpetuate it. Why are you not or trying? Or close it. There's a third option. True. Um, but if you're if you're going with options one or two, why are you not going to try to make your agency as valuable as you can so that when you are ready to retire, you either get a higher multiple on your valuation or you, know, you, you have a higher buyout, right? Yeah, I, I think that where that comes in is they're worried about the uh, expense component of it. Well, I mean, that's that's. I understand that that's what they're worried about, but that is very narrow-minded mm-hmm. and not at all looking at a bigger picture as far as what's going to happen when you are ready to retire. Correct. Because if you can if you can get the right technology for a decent price, the efficiencies that brings back to your agency is 
multiples. Exactly. And that's, but that you're, you're hitting the nail on the head is that that's not what they're thinking about. They're, they're thinking just, Oh, it's just another expense. It's more travel, trouble. It's more hassle, all the blah, blah, blah. No one understands that whenever they're looking at like multiples, you can get a business that is running on technology that is, has a fully flushed out management system that has a, a sales process that is very fluid and re- repeatable and profitable. Mm-hmm. You have that. And what's going to happen is that you're going to get three times more than you would if you don't. Right. And that's just putting one piece of, you know, <laughs> crap. <laughs> It's putting one piece of software in, right? a management system, maybe two with a, a raider. And you can get a management system, a raider, and a website all in one package, all working together, all talking to each other for fairly cheap. And if you're a small agency, it doesn't cost that much. If you're paying $1,000 plus for your technology and you've got three users, you've got the wrong vendor. Right. I, I, I hate to say it. there's nothing that your management system at 200 plus 250 a user is doing for you that a management system at anywhere between 25 to a hundred dollars a user is doing for you. If you don't have one, just put one in so you can roll. And that's one of the questions that I have on this show for this week is I would love to hear the listeners. Do you have management systems? Do you know, Agencies that don't have management systems. Are you looking to sell your agency? Are you looking to perpetuate? What? Like, I want to get some feedback on this because we're we're kind of in a vacuum a lot of times in our industry, our specific our specific industry of software. Right. We're in this vacuum that we we talk and we work with agents all the time. However, we want to better understand them. And that's one of the topics I, I'm glad that you brought this up. Cause this is one of the things I've always wanted to ask agents directly. And most of the time the agents don't have the right answer. Yeah. And, and the worst answer is I'm just, I'm riding the, riding the wave. A lot of agencies got themselves in real big trouble out in California is that they were just, you know, just sucking on the tit of, uh, of mercury can't put it any other way. They were just working at it. And, you know, they, they just had a, they built a book 10, 15 years ago and they let it roll and mercury kept paying them high, high commissions. And that, that, that business stuck, it renewed all of that. And they did barely any new sales. Well, mercury's like, well, screw this. You know, we're bringing the value. We're doing all the work. So they started to put in these, these levers that say you have to sell X amount to keep your commissions and all that. And then they had lost the, the ability to sell you. You and I both know a lot of agencies in California that went down this path, yep. that they were making a ton of money off of mercury. And when Mercury started changing their commission structures, it just flat out. And then all of a sudden you heard people, well, I'm going to retire. I'm going to do this because all of a sudden they lost their ability to sell and manage their business. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I have do, nothing to add to that. <laughs> I, I do hate that a lot of times we'll be on this. It, you know, we are supposed to be sometimes point counterpoint and kind of against each other. <laughs> a lot of times like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I understand that. Well, so moving on into the article a little bit more. um, We're already at 30 minutes in, by the way. Okay. Well, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot more, but I I did want to brush on this a little bit. So in terms of 
sellers, so the people who are selling their agencies, PNC-focused agencies dominated the list. They accounted for 55% of the total transactions last year. Okay. Which, you know, I think begs a lot to some of the changes that we're seeing in the industry of um, all the competition that has come into the space, right? Yeah. It, all, all the insure techs or, or the hybrids, as you put them, kind of like the private equity-backed agencies that have some kind of agency where they work both as an online aggregator, as a lead provider, whatever right. it may be. Yes. There's a lot. They're seeing this as opportunity. And that's a bad thing for agents who are just being quiet. That people are coming in and seeing opportunity in, in an industry means that there's a problem that people need to actually pick up and start really kicking ass with because that opportunity was the exact same, the same that came into the travel industry is it wasn't that travel agents in travel agencies are completely different than insurance. I, I always make sure that I, I knock someone down when they try to make this correlation. However, there is one thing is that people came into the industry and they saw an opportunity to create better efficiencies. That is how the insurance industry is very similar to the travel industry. Right. There is definitely inefficiencies. Correct. Whenever they're going, we could sell better and all that. And the latest, and I think we'll talk about this next week is um, lemonade put out their their new transparency report and through a lot of work and, you know, hopefully it's fully transparent. I'm, I'm sure it is because, you know, you could really get in trouble if you lie about stuff like that. But their their loss ratio is under 100 now. And we talked about that. It has to be under yeah, 100. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, they talked about, they said it, it was like a perfect parts of where they, <laughs> they were talking about different parts of what we've talked about on this podcast is you can artificially increase sales by just advertising, doing a lot of stuff. And they admitted that they said they were artificially increasing sales and they backed off and they had this very serious drop. Their growth stopped growing and they dropped down of new sales because they limited their, their, their sales. And sure enough, they talked about customer service and they had to get their claims under control. And then all of a sudden customer service and their claims came together and their customer service dropped because they were paying less claims and all of this type of stuff. Yeah. Exactly what it is. And they started acting like a real insurance company. And, but they still saw opportunity in that market and state farm does sell a lot of renters insurance. And I can assure you that they're looking at that and they're going, okay, we got to make sure we do things differently. Well, we, we could go into that next week. We don't need to, <laughs> to make this episode. Make this an hour episode. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about some of the, the key takeaways they included in this report. Go for it. Um, number one, buyers are continuing to find agencies they want to acquire. There are still many agencies out there that are attractive to buyers. Mm -hmm. Number two, agency valuations continue to go up. Like you were talking about, you can get good multiples on your agency right now if you are looking to sell. Mm -hmm. Number three, the internal perpetuation is a challenge because of an increasing gap between value, the value third-party buyers are willing to pay, and internal transaction values. Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, number four, equity and debt capital remain plentiful to fund these 
private equity hybrid buyers. Yeah, that, that might change this year. It, it's possible, as, but for the last two years, clearly that has correct. has been the case. As interest rates go up, it, but also people are going to find other ways to have their find their money, or a lot of that's the whole thing about private equity these days. And there's a lot of talk about it. However, they're the ones that are trying to invest. They're the ones that are making sure that companies run very efficiently and and whatnot. And that is what. These agencies, these large private equity hybrid backed agencies are doing is that they bring these efficiencies. They take the best of breed of each of these agencies, integrate it in their main agency, and then they allow those efficiencies to perpetuate across the organization. Right. Um, so then there, there are kind of final thoughts that if you're a buyer, pay attention to cash flow and be careful not to overpay. <laughs> if you're a seller, Identify the best fit, both from an operations standpoint and a culture standpoint, and take advantage of this strong pricing that has been going on in the industry before it changes. Or if you're neither, just forget this is all happening and focus on running your business. Yeah, I, I would I would add in like we just, uh, discussed. If you're looking to sell, you need to make sure that you have your technology well in order. Yeah, and you're able to kick ass because that the technology. I can tell you from seeing the other side and being in a world that I know a lot of the private equity that does a lot of buying and all that, they look for companies that are running great technology that are doing really great, great things. Right. And when you have great technology, then that means that you're selling more, which gives you more value. I mean, it's just this whole thing. And I'm not trying to push technology just because we're a technology company. I'm just saying that I know for a fact that's what they look for. It's one of the first things they look for. Right. I know a private equity company that goes out and as they're doing acquisitions, that one of the first questions is, tell me about your operation. And they're not asking about anything when it comes to do with your book of business or anything like that because that's easy. They can put that in a Excel spreadsheet and go, value. What they're looking is for that X factor, that X factor that makes you different. <laughs> well, I think the point is, you Even know. if you're not looking to sell this year, if you're not planning to sell for two or three years, mm -hmm. you still need to get your technology in place now. Like, don't wait until the year you're planning to sell. Do it now because mm -hmm. then you're going to have a few years of running more efficiently where you can actually have greater revenue, greater growth, more profit to show that will just improve your attraction to these buyers. Yep. The best time to plant a tree is 30 years ago. When's the second best time? Today. Exactly. So, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Sit around, be a bum. I, I don't know. We're, I don't know. I don't know. I've got a pretty crazy day tomorrow. What are you doing? Uh, I have a baby shower for a family friend that I'm only going to be able to attend for a little bit because then I have to... Um, go set up for a chili trifecta event fundraiser event at my church mm -hmm. that, that chili I, trifecta yeah that's what they call it there's there's chili cook-off dessert auction and entertainment uh so that's why it's the trifecta because there's three things okay all right i was i was like going there's like three different types of chili that i gotta be aware of now <laughs> no no <laughs> That's just what they call the event. I don't know why. I mean, other than the fact that there's three things happening, but yeah. So you ever buy something at a bake sale that absolutely blows? Like just oh, this is horrible. Not really. Yeah. Okay. I've got, to, right. I've got to figure out too what I'm going to be banking. I mean, right. I'm going to make chili, but what I'm making for the dessert auction, I haven't figured that out yet. I um a, a while ago I went to a Catholic church and there was a high Filipino um uh, community mm -hmm. within the church, and so 
I love they they make a pastry. I don't remember the name of it, but it's a it's a sweet pastry, and it has this slab of butter on top, and it has the sugar on it, and I absolutely love it. Like it's fantastic. Yeah, I seek it out. I see it in a Filipino market. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm getting that. I don't even know the name of it. It just by sight, I know what it is. I bought a whole tray of them at a bake sale, and I was like, oh man, I'm going to be fat for the rest of the month because of this. Took the first bite. It was horrible. I don't know what the difference was on this batch or who made it or what their secret recipe is, but I, I think the secret in, in, uh, ingredient was like borax or something. <laughs> it, it was core. It was horrible. And therefore, I stopped buying stuff at bake sales because I was really worried that I'm going to die. <laughs> oh, man. Hmm. All right. Let's get out of here. All so, right. listeners, what do you think about the M&A that's been happening in the industry these last couple of years at these high high levels? Are you are you looking to buy an agency? Are you looking to sell an agency? Do you just want to run your agency the best that you can? What technology are you not using? <laughs> or what technology are you using? Uh, nah, not using. If, you, if, if you're not using technology, uh, please visit www.getitc.com for slash contact. Not really plugging today, but hey. Yeah, sure. We got to throw one in once in a while. Always be selling, right? Something like that. We talk about being... Oh, you've always going to be selling. You got to be very good with marketing. You got to do this. You got to do that. And here we are, never ever doing it ourselves. Let's just jump in, <laughs> buy our stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, but you can find us on Twitter. I am Becky L. Schroeder. Laird is L. Ricksford. You can also tweet using the hashtag insurance happy hour. The person that listens to last week's broadcast and Counts how many times I said, you know, incorrectly guesses on Twitter will get a $50 gift card. <laughs> Didn't we already give away that answer? <laughs> no, this is a joke. Okay. <laughs> that, that was a joke piece of paper, but it was nicely filled out at 40. So Okay. You just but, like the round number? I, I do like round numbers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And don't forget um, to subscribe. If you have not already, go to your favorite podcast app or pretty much in any one that you have um, and hit that subscribe button. Absolutely. <laughs> I think Laird's done. I'm out of here. My brain, my brain's cooked. Let's let's call this. All right. Well, as always, it's been fun, and thanks for listening. Escaped my mind. <laughs> <laughs> what?
Okay. Sometimes, sometimes the thesaurus fails me. Sometimes it works. <laughs> You're still 12 years old inside. I know.